0: Badass of the Week is an iHeartRadio podcast produced by Hi5Content.
1: I met a traveler from an antique land, who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half-sunk a shattered visage lies, Whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command The decay of that colossal wreck, Boundless and bare, the lone and level sands Stretch far away. Percy Bysshe Shelley, Ozymandias, 1818.
0: Hello, and welcome back to Badass of the Week. My name is Ben Thompson, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Dr. Pat Larish. Pat, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing okay. How are you, Ben?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We, uh, we, well, I think you brought it up that we are surpassing a record today, I think, with our our episode.
1: Yeah, and the record is, who is the oldest badass we've talked about?
0: You asked me this before, and the... I think the, I was going through our feed and I think the oldest person we've talked about is Alcibiades, but he's like a couple hundred years BC, I think, BCE.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm yeah, yeah, yeah. You could make a case that Hercules is older, but Hercules is mythical. What it just means is people were telling stories about this figure named Hercules a few centuries before Alcibiades lived.
0: Yeah, the myth persisted, but then you run into the Hercules probably wasn't a real guy. So,
1: yeah. Or if he was, the stories are so so fabricated that they're they might as well not be about a real guy. That's true, yeah. but
0: you I think you're right. There were the people knew who Hercules was while Alcibiades was alive. So, maybe he is the oldest, but the oldest that we can reliably date is Alcibiades who was mm-hmm. from 400 BCE, generally speaking. And um, yeah, and we're going to go like almost a thousand years older than that today. So we're going to predate Hercules. We're going to predate everybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: (laughs) And so today we are going to talk about Ozymandias. We are going to talk about Ramses II, who is probably the most famous uh, is certainly the most famous of the egyptian pharaohs um the most well known the most you know, he's the kind of a go-to story for talking about egyptian pharaohs and you know for the for the open this week you did the the famous poem by Percy Bysshe Shelley which you know i love i love you know look upon my works ye mighty in despair But the poem is kind of a testament to hubris, right? It's it's not particularly flattering of Ramses, even though it's about him and how mighty he was.
1: Was. Emphasis on the past tense. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But on the other hand, here we are still talking about him. Right.
0: Right. It's a... I think you said it when we were prepping for the episode. You said no publicity is bad publicity. <laughs> so according
1: to some schools of thought, yeah, yes. Yeah? So yeah,
0: yeah. And Ramses, Ramses himself, as we are going to see as we go through his story, he is a testament to hubris. For me, at least, that's what makes him kind of cool. I guess also like Alcibiades, he is this kind of self-aggrandizing maniac. Uh, but it's it's endearing, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. you know it's um he is the he is the name amongst pharaohs of Egypt who were the most powerful people in the world uh while they lived and for thousands of years literally um mm-hmm. and of all of these pharaohs of all of these dynasties we will see that ramses is the third pharaoh of the 19th dynasty of Egypt. Um, but amongst all of these dynasties and all of these, these rulers and all of these powerful pharaohs, he is the one that kind of stands out throughout history as being the greatest of the pharaohs. And so, you know, yes, over a thousand years, over 1300 years, although the the poem Ozymandias is being written in the 19th century, so we are yeah. talking...
1: 1818, yeah. Right, we're
0: talking 2,000 years later, more than 2,000 years later. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he's still being talked about, and uh, there's still memories of the mighty empire that he once built and the mighty works that he completed. And um Ramses the second. He's the, the most famous of the pharaohs, and he is a... It's gonna be a, a, a pretty fun story. I'm pretty excited to talk about this one this week. I, mm-hmm. I think not only is it is it um I think not only is he a really, really interesting person and character based off what we know about mm-hmm. him, but uh I think you know this is gonna be really it's gonna be new new ground for us to cover on the show, which will be fun as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we are gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we are gonna talk about the the King of Kings. We are going to look upon the works of Ramses II second and despair.
2: <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal. Unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 infinity QX 80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York city Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
3: Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls... Offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort style amenities, and high quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.
4: You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes, you can take charge of your story
0: Welcome back to Badass of the Week. We are here talking about Ramses II, who was the mightiest pharaoh in all of ancient Egypt. And here's something cool about him that a lot of people don't realize when they think about Ramses II, is that he was not born royal. You, huh. you kind of expect Ramses II, yeah. it seems pretty likely that like his father was a Ramses I and his grandfather was somebody else. You know, It stands to reason that he was born in a palace and only lived in a palace his entire life. But that's not the case for Ramses II.
1: Yeah, especially since uh, so much of ancient Egyptian history is couched in terms of dynasties.
0: Yes, exactly. You
1: know, you're born into a family. And okay, he was born too. Well, you'll tell us, Ben, how he did get where he got.
0: Yeah, so, you know, he is the third king of the 19th dynasty, but... He was born before the 19th dynasty began. And so, okay, well, let's set the stage here for a minute, because one thing that it's very easy to get lost on is just the scope of ancient Egypt, because this is just a massive amount of time that the ancient Egyptians existed. So, you know, people think, oh, ancient Egypt, the pharaohs, they built the pyramids.
1: And to be fair, the style of ancient Egyptian art remains pretty constant over time. It does. So it's easy to just sort of lump it all together in your head if you're not sitting down and actually working out all the different dates and dynasties and whatnot. Yeah.
0: Right. And so because they've had a consistent system of writing, a consistent style of architecture and art and all of this, it's very easy to think that, you know, to lump it all together. But ancient Egypt spans hundreds of years, thousands of years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so we are going to place so where we are right now with Ramses II is 1300 BCE. And
1: Okay, so let's just pause for a moment. That's over 3000 years ago.
0: Yes, it is. It
1: I just think that's mind-blowing. Go on.
0: It's it's amazing, right? Uh and you know, just the scale of what this civilization was able to accomplish This far it's 3,300 years ago. And they were able to just kind of, I mean, it's kind of mind blowing the the scale and the scope of this empire because there's really nothing, not much like it in the world at the time where it exists. So you have some other civilizations coming up. You have some stuff happening in the Fertile Crescent. You have the Assyrians and the Babylonians are up and coming. There's a group of people in Anatolia called the Hittites that are working on an empire. We'll deal with them in a minute. Um, In Greece, you have the Mycenaeans. Uh, In India, there's a civilization. The Indo-Aryan Vedic civilization is is around. And in China, you have the Shang Dynasty, which is kind of the first recognized dynasty. But this is old, old, old.
1: Yeah. And honestly, when you, you know, I'm thinking of the Shang Dynasty when I'm thinking of intricate cauldrons and yeah. things that are made of bronze that are not actually weapons, but...
0: The Shang Dynasty might be the only thing in the world more advanced than Egypt, but they're never met and they're, those, they're not going to meet. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. So we're in Egypt, we're smelting bronze and some of the bronze we're using to make armor and pointy objects that you can injure people with. Yes.
0: And there's writing, like that's another thing that comes along in the Bronze Age is is the written word um but still like when we talk about ancient Egypt the thing I've forhim is, is is in 1300 BC he is over a thousand years after the creation of the Great Pyramid so the Great Pyramid is from 2500 BC so it was 1200 years ago <laughs> that that was built so he's not building building the pyramids, whenever you kind of see him, there's always some pyramid being constructed in the background. And that's not really, I mean, he he refurbishes it. He helps like restore it as one of his great works, but um, but he didn't build it. He didn't build any of them. Yeah.
1: So I guess just to put things in context or like make an analogy with modern day 2024, that's like saying, Ben, if you and I were to, if you and I were important people I mean you're important but, you know it's debatable <laughs> uh, if we were to help to restore one of the Gothic cathedrals in Europe like I don't know Notre Dame like roughly speaking we're talking that level of oldness
0: that's like a crazy thing right? to consider too right yeah so yeah yeah it would be a restoration project on a thing from what 2024. 20, uh minus
1: like 1024
0: 1024 the
1: middle ages blah, yeah you know
0: yeah ten twenty four, yeah. yeah notre dame yeah for real that's crazy mm. <laughs> whoa yeah <laughs> okay so that's that's ramses but like this civilization has has kind of persisted and is is powerful they're they are the dominant power in the in the region so ramses II. He had a grandfather who was Ramses the First. We we said maybe there's a Ramses the First. Ramses the First is is the grandfather. Ramses the First does not is not born with the name Ramses the First. He is born with the name Paramesu, which he is a nobleman. He's a soldier, but he's not a royal. He's not part of the royal line. He's not a member of the 18th Dynasty, which is the ruling pharaohs in charge at the time. He's a he's a soldier. Uh, he's a military commander. And around the year 1300, um, he is appointed the vizier and the high priest of Set under a pharaoh whose name is Horemheb. Um, And Ramses I's job, or at this time, Paramesu's job, is to help restore kind of the old ways of Egypt. Because I think you and me have talked about this before, but there was this weird break in Egyptian history under the pharaoh Akhenaten, and so ah, you said, yeah, like you mentioned, guy. yeah, you mentioned that there was a very consistent art style amongst all of Egypt. But Akhenaten and his wife—they're um not—they're not, they, a complete break from that. You can pick them out of any museum you go to in Egypt, or that you see of any kind of Egyptology stuff. Like they are very, very differently portrayed than any of the traditional. Yeah, um,
1: like they have
0: wrinkles. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it's crazy, right? And um, and they did something. So 40 years before Ramses I, Akhenaten and his wife, they changed the religion of Egypt to be a monotheistic religion that worships the sun.
1: Sun god, only the sun god, that is it. Yes. Yep. Accept no substitutes, accept no imitations. We are monotheistic. Yeah. Which is a big change
0: it's a big change and a lot of people didn't like it <laughs> a lot of people didn't like it and they eventually you know after akhenaten um they his his grandson uh is king tut Tutankhamun, and he starts the process of being like actually we're gonna we're gonna just go back to the old ways because people really didn't like the monotheism thing and not only did it create this big cultural schism but it also created an imperial schism where like various Parts of the empire were like, actually, we're out. And 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 then when Akhenaten didn't move on the militarily because he was too busy dealing with his own internal problems, other parts of the Egyptian empire were like, actually, it doesn't seem like they're going to do anything if we just break away from the empire. So we're just, yeah, we're just (laughs) Mm going to do that. (laughs) Peace out. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this is the state of things forty years after Akhenaten. And Ramses I is looking at it and saying like, "Mm, okay, or wait a minute, hold on. Is this under Ramses I or is this under Horemheb that we're talking about?
0: So this is the state of things when the future Ramses I takes over as vizier for Horemheb. Ramses I is kind of brought in. Horemheb is not a particularly effective pharaoh. He's nearing the end of his reign and he brings in... Uh, The future Ramses, the first to say like, hey, I need your help. You're going to be the high priest of the religion. You're going to be the vizier. You help me get things in order.
1: And Heb, he's the last of the 18th dynasty. That's correct. Okay, got it. Okay, going on.
0: And so Ramses enters the palace. Um, and when Ramses the first enters the palace, he's got a son and he's got a grandson and that grandson is going to be Ramses the second. So Ramses the second. So it's like, take your grandkid to work day. Right. He moves into kind of the the palace. He's 14. He's around 14 at this point. Um, okay. And Shout
1: out to all my ninth graders. Yeah. yeah?
0: He's around 14. Yeah. He's, he's spent the first 14 years of, his, years of his life as a nobleman, but not as a royal. And uh, it was probably still fine, right? It wasn't like he grew up on the streets or anything. Like, I'm sure he did fine for himself. Ramses I moves into the palace of Hormheb and brings 14-year-old Ramses II with him. Um, He starts working to rebuild ancient Egypt, not just, like, curing this heresy stuff, but also starting to move militarily to reclaim territories that were lost during Akhenaten's reign. Um, Hormheb dies not too long after this, but he appoints Ramses I as his successor. So the vizier, the high priest, it seemed kind of obvious. Hormheb doesn't have any kids, so he appoints Ramses I to take over. Now we're moving into the 19th dynasty of Egypt. That's Ramses I. Um, And Ramses I rules for, we think, like a span of months before he dies as well.
1: Mm, Okay. Um, But he's got a son. He's
0: got a son. His son is Seti I. Seti designates Ramses as Ramses II as his successor. He builds some things. He expands the empire a little bit. And in 1279, Seti I dies, and Ramses II takes over as the third ruler of the 19th Dynasty. He is 24 years old when he takes over. He will go on to rule for 66 years. <laughs> Which,
1: so that's a considerable improvement over his grandfather, who, for all of his good qualities, only lasted for a few months.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. His father okay. ruled for a few years, but Ramses is going to rule for 66, which is...
1: Several decades?
0: Right. Which is possibly the longest reign in, of any of the pharaohs. We, we, you know, records are so weird that it's hard to know for sure. But he he celebrated the most feasts of the longevity of the pharaoh celebrations than any other pharaoh in the history of doing that so (laughs) if that's the metric we're going to use then he had the most of those parties
1: (laughs) so this is like this festival that you celebrate once you hit the 30th year of your reign and then you celebrate it I think on paper, every three years after that. But I think some pharaohs, maybe Ramses II, cough cough, might have made it every two years. But
0: (laughs) the stagecoach Mary thing, we're like, it's my birthday when I tell you it's my birthday. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, it's a state of mind.
0: Yes. Yeah. So Ramses will rule for 66 years. He's going to outlive his 12 eldest sons. He's going to have 50 50 sons and 50 daughters. He's going to have over 100 kids in his lifetime
1: okay i I mean do we do we completely believe him when he says he has 50 sons and 50 daughters like i mean he probably has a lot of wives and concubines i guess so that might be true
0: it's it's possible it is entirely possible there are there there are there are 50 something named sons and daughters there is the There is the like, oh, maybe you're adopted, right? And the adopted sons and daughters, the Roman style, but. um...
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, which is which is legit. That's a thing, you know. And um, I mean, that's how Horem had passed the baton on to Ramses the first. I mean, maybe not officially adopting, but like, you know, hey, yeah, it's just when you say 50 sons and 50 daughters, I'm like, that's a very round number.
0: It's over a hundred. So it's fifty something. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but there's like fifty-four sons and fifty-two daughters or something like that. But but who knows, right? Because numerology is weird and maybe those are holy numbers or whatever, right? Like you do doing... No,
1: no, no. No, 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 no. I'll roll with it. I'll roll with it. We've got documentation. He's got paperwork. Okay. Um Oh my goodness, can you imagine his tax returns? Never mind. Head of household. Never mind. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. So he, if he was 24 when he ascended the throne, and then he rules for 66 years, that's, mm, mm, checks notes. He's hitting 90, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, which is really rare Whoa. for 1300 BC, right?
1: <laughs> on the one hand, yeah. Um, on the other hand, if you make it through the various, you know, slings and arrows that life throws at you, you know, some people did live to be to their nineties in those days. Um,
0: That's true. But a Pharaoh was also kind of I imagine kind of a perilous job.
1: (laughs) Perilous on the one hand, on the other hand, he also had access to the best resources. Like he had access to the best nutrition. He had access to the best doctors and Egyptian doctors were pretty sophisticated. That's true. So if anyone is gonna live to 90, it's gonna be this guy.
0: That's fair. That is really fair.
1: You know, Pharaoh's privilege.
0: Yes, exactly. And yeah, and so he is—he's going to have longevity and stability, and he is going to be the greatest of the the Egyptian pharaohs. the The story that I, you know, the, the story I like to tell about Ramses is that, um, before we could decipher hieroglyphics, he was. He was, if not the only pharaoh we could name, he was one of the only pharaohs that we could name for sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because he was mentioned in sources that we could read because he was so badass. And uh, the name Ozymandias, which is a Greek version or a Greek pronunciation of one of his Egyptian names, and please pardon my pronunciation, somehow becomes Ozymandias, we get that name from the first century BCE historian Diodorus Siculus, who is writing during the Roman Empire or during the Roman influence, writing in Greek. Yeah. So yeah, that's Ozymandias. So. A.K.A. Ramses. Yeah. The second.
0: Yeah. And so Ramses takes over and he's 24. He was born a nobleman, but not a pharaoh. We know some stuff about him. We know he's Five six five seven 5'7", um, in, in height. Uh, How do we know that? Oh, because we have his mummy. Do we have his mummy? <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. I've seen it. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's got a strong jawline. He's got a haw- hawkish nose. He probably had red hair, which seems really weird to me, but they say he has red hair.
1: Yeah. And it seems weird... Um... It, on the one hand, it seems weird. On the other hand, you know, we're finding out that people in the ancient world could travel long distances, and Egypt is right on the Mediterranean, so there are all these trade routes, and people were moving around for military campaigns. So who knows? You know, maybe, you know, maybe he's got ancestry from other parts of the world. But based on the conventions of ancient Egyptian art which is notoriously standardized we're not expecting a ginger that's true you know
0: that's true they there is like it's not as common anymore but there there were red-headed people in red-haired people in um in North Africa especially amongst like the Berbers um it's not as common as it used to be but it did exist into the you know the the 1300s you know ce right um and so there's some speculation that it comes from that but we don't know what we do he was a mummy and we tested his hair and it seems like it was probably red so
1: yeah and there's the hair that's growing on his head and then also there are many contexts where ancient egyptians especially elite ones would wear wigs yeah that's true and the wig could be whatever you know yeah so yeah
0: so that's generally what he looked like. But in you know, personality he's he's shrewd, he's clever, he's highly motivated. He is married to a woman named Nefertari who we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um he's got at least one son, probably two at this point. Uh and he had been kind of born the son of a general and now he is the leader of the richest country in the world at the head of an army of 100,000 soldiers and in charge of, a, of an empire that stretches from the Nile Valley down from like the Sudan all the way up through most of the Middle East, um, into the, like the Levant, into basically present day Lebanon. And uh, and now he's the boss, he's the guy, he's 24 and he's got to run the show. Um, and so the first thing that he wants to do is have some military victories to talk about, and you know we had said that some of these, these periphery townships and and regions had been broken away from Akhenaten, and he wants to rebuild the Egyptian Empire as as he remembered it or as it used to be or whatever, and so he wants to kind of retake these lands that were once Egyptian. Uh, so that's the plan, but first he's got some problems. There are. There's a pirate fleet out in the Mediterranean that is making his life hard. And Oh, no. yes, Are these the Sea Peoples? The Sea Peoples will come a little later. His son is going to deal with the Sea Peoples. The Sea Peoples are really interesting to me. I love the story of these guys.
1: Okay, yeah. Okay, but these are just pirates.
0: These are just pirates. These are
1: people on ships who are attacking other ships and just, you know, pillaging.
0: They're coming from basically present-day turkey so they're coming from anatolia and they're sailing down and raiding and plundering egyptian ships uh just egyptian shipping and you know logistics everything kind of moved by water in these days oh, the land that's gonna a, suck yeah
1: that's annoying no, super annoying this is annoying super annoying yeah and so yeah, yeah.
0: Ramses has to deal with these guys so he uh-huh. sends out the egyptian royal guard in some versions of the story he well, in his version of the story he goes with them Uh, and it's possible he did, but he's sailing out. We will see this as a common thread among stories about Ramses, but when he tells the story, he's leading from the front in the main ship, like firing arrows off the bow and, you know, heroically he's the, he's a pirate hunter captain on standing on the deck of the ship and, uh, and he attacks the, these pirates, he crushes them pretty handily uh with this big show of force um he destroys something like half of their fleet and the other half he gives them an option one is to die and the other is to join the egyptian army as mercenaries which they do okay yeah cake or death yes exactly
1: we'll go with cake yes okay and so he decides
0: i will pay you guys but now you work for me and you have to fight other pirates, or like make sure that nobody, no pirates attack my stuff. And he kind of hires them as security, which is kind of a cool thing that he will continue to do throughout the throughout his reign.
1: Yeah. So yeah, and the whole idea of mercenary, like it has a negative connotation for us, but in many places in the ancient world, it's just like, no, this is a job that you do.
0: Yeah, it worked out great. You for You work him for the because, person that hires yeah, you. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he doesn't have to. He's got to pay these guys. They they need to get paid and but they take care of themselves they outfit themselves they fight and if they die he's not losing egyptian taxpayers (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah but these guys come out and they ended up they end up kind of like helping protect egyptian shipping and so once he's able to secure that he starts leading these military campaigns um he goes he fights against the libyans in north africa he goes into syria he goes into he fights the philistines he fights he goes south into nubia like the present day sudan yeah. and fights down there so he's he's looking in
1: all directions
0: he's working in all directions he is retaking contested townships, and regions. And once he has retaken them, he builds a fort. So one thing we're going to see from Ramses is that he is a builder. Uh, He loves to build stuff. And once he kind of is happy with... I've pushed you guys out of the contested area. He starts building forts that... Some of them will last for hundreds of years after his death. You know, they'll be unconquered for centuries because he has built this network of impenetrable fortresses that ring the entire empire around. So he is a pretty aggressive guy. And so he is fighting these different peoples and defeating them and building these forts and, and trying to make sure that they don't rise against him again. Um in in nubia after he defeats the nubians and we should have a shout out to the kandake here because she was a nubian Ooh. queen
3: <laughs> yeah
1: uh very different millennium but right still.
0: right yeah yeah but uh
1: <laughs> yeah but shout out to the nubians yes yeah. uh-huh. he
0: defeats them and they had at some point earlier than this like actually conquered egypt at one point like they'd moved troops up into the cairo basically and um he he defeats them and he starts carving statues of himself into mountains facing Nubia so that if the Nubians decide that they want to, not only does he build forts, but if the Nubians decide they're going to sail down the Nile to, to Egypt, they're going to have to sail past like 50 foot tall statues of Ramses, II mean mugging them. And they'll have that much time to think about their decisions <laughs> as to whether this is a good idea. Yep.
1: yep.
0: <laughs> um, when he defeats the when he defeats the Philistines, he's uh, you know I remember he gave those um, he gave those pirates the chance of like you can uh, you can die or you can join me as mercenaries. He gives that chance to uh, one particular Philistine army, and they choose death, and so he doesn't give them death.
1: Uh, okay. Uh, they say oh.
0: no. He doesn't kill them, but he cuts off the hands and, according to the story, the penises of all of the prisoners of war, <laughs> and throws them into a big pile in the middle of town and that's how he deters the philistines from attacking him again okay
1: that's yeah grisly, uh, effective i suppose um that's uh, quite an image
0: it's quite yeah. a it's quite a thing
1: huh yeah okay yeah yeah this is yeah, why you would time, never want place. to go back in
0: time for any reason if you had a time machine you would never want to go backwards. Uh, yeah it's, it's better yeah. now
1: so. yes
0: but Ramses is, is is you know, he's in charge of one of the biggest armies in the world. He should be beating the Libyans and the Nubians and the Philistines. But he's got a big problem, um, and that is a group of people called the Hittites. The Hittites, I don't think they get enough credit for being as badass as they were but they are another bronze age civilization. They have bronze weapons and armor. They have shields. They have um they have a king that is commanding them very ably. Uh
1: Yep. They have a writing system. They're organized.
0: Yeah, they're writing in cuneiform. They are they're very well organized. And um they may have actually so they're operating out of Anatolia, which is Asia Minor, present-day Turkey basically.
1: Modern-day Turkey, yeah.
0: And the Hittites there is a decent chance that they might have been responsible for sending those pirates out to harass the oh, Egyptians. Ooh,
1: those guys! Yeah. Okay.
0: And the Hittites and the Egyptians—they are kind of arguing over this region of present-day Lebanon, Syria, mm-hmm. Israel. This like this middle. kind of
1: right in the middle.
0: Right. It's right yeah. between these two empires. It's on the yeah. border. Yeah. Ramses Strategically, able to it's... retake.
1: Useful territory, yeah,
0: uh, yeah. But yeah. this is—he's got to retake these this territory. He's got to show force against these Hittites, or they are gonna bully him out of this region. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ramses decides he needs to fight these Hittites, so he starts building up his war machine to deal with them. He he builds a new capital for Egypt uh, in the Nile Delta. He builds a he builds a town called Pyramises Asnaktu, which means the domain of Ramses, great of victories.
1: Okay, this guy he's humble.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like we said in the intro. He is, is a, unashamedly acting. self-promoting yes. and <laughs> self-aggrandizing uh-huh. in a way that is like kind of adorable. <laughs> yeah. Pai Ramesses' Asnaktu has 50 plus colossi of him personally. Each of them somewhere between 20 and 50 feet tall. That's pretty tall. Just statues of him, the domain of Ramsey's Great of Victories, with just every street corner has a giant Ramsey staring at you. It's kind of Big Brother in some way.
1: Yeah. yeah. And you're like, hey, yeah, yeah. Meet me for lunch by the Ramsey statue. Uh, Which one?
0: The one holding the snake. Which one? (laughs) Which snake? (laughs) The cobra or the asp? (laughs) And and he starts building factories in this town, and he's building war chariots, weapons, armor.
1: Mm, That's going to bolster the local economy.
0: Yes. And we'll see this. This is a thing that will continually come up as we talk about Ramses, which is that, like, he loves talking about his his military victories. One of his favorite things to, you know, anytime he writes anything about himself, which is often, it's about, I mean, his capital is named Great of Victories, right? Ramsey's Great of Victories. All he wants to talk about is all of his great military victories. But as we will see, like, he doesn't really do a ton of fighting. He does some fighting early on in his reign. Um, and he's got a big showdown coming up with the Hittites here. But what he really succeeds at is building things so he builds all these factories he builds this capital he's doing this all in theory to like win more victories but in reality this is doing more for his country than war is right yeah yeah war's generally bad for business but he's like able to boom his economy by building all of this crazy stuff which you know we'll see yeah
1: and he can spin the war into something positive You know, he calls the town, the domain of Ramses, great of victories, you know. And if you want to have 50 plus colossal statues of yourself, someone's got to do that. Someone's got to get paid to do that, you know. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And we're going to see spin is going to be a thing that this guy is very good at. Mm -hmm. He's... He's kind of solidified his borders everywhere else, but now he's got to go after these Hittites. He builds his army. Oh, the Hittites, yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. he's got to
0: fight these Hittites. We're going. He gets his big army together, 100,000 guys. You know, depending on the sources, they're all different. We're talking... Twenty three hundred years ago, so like or thirty three mm-hmm. hundred years ago.
1: Thirty three hundred, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking thirty three yeah. hundred
0: years ago, so the, the numbers are not <laughs> accurate, right? We don't have drone footage of any of this encounter, so <laughs> no, no. We are, yeah. We are, um, we're kind of going on what they told us, uh, and so. But anyway, he gets his army together. He's got these war chariots. He's got spearmen. He's got cavalry. He's got everything, and he marches these armies out, and he goes personally with them. He has a war chariot made for the pharaoh with horses a group of horses that pull it he's got a bow and arrow he's this he stylizes himself as this great hunter who was you know could shoot uh, you know tigers and wild animals and is great in battle so he he mm-hmm. rides out there with his army and a couple of his sons go with him they're going to be military commanders for him and they have this showdown with the hittites okay we are at the battle of kadesh it is Yeah, the border of Syria and Lebanon. And I will let Ramses describe the events of the battle in his own words. He says, quote, Everything I attempted, I succeeded. I found the enemy chariots scattering before my horses. Not one of them could fight me. Their hearts quaked with fear when they saw me, and their arms went limp so that they could not shoot. They did not have the heart to hold their spears. They fell on their faces, one on top of the other. I slaughtered them at my will. Except, maybe he didn't. (gasps) And we are going to talk about that after this break.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
3: Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview-Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview-Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.
4: You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global...
0: so we are at the battle of kadesh kadesh is important and it comes up a lot and we have ramses's depiction of the battle he rides off with this huge army with the war chariots and the cavalry and the spearmen they're all decked out in bronze armor and weapons that were created in the capital city that he built out of nothing the town of pi ramses great of victories and they've ridden off to this battle and Ramses returns with a much smaller group of people than he left with but he returns and they're they're bloodied and they're battered and they're you know there's there's weapon marks in their armor um but they return and he builds this monument where he wrote the thing that i quoted before there's a giant picture of himself you know hieroglyphics everywhere and this color painting of himself The version of him in the painting stands 12 feet tall. He's riding on a war chariot. He's got a bow and arrow. And the war chariot is literally just riding over tiny people. So the picture is amazing. I love it. It he in the picture it depicts him as being as tall as those colossi in town. He's fifty feet tall, riding an appropriately sized chariot, and just riding it over these. There's just piles of dead Hittites everywhere, and um, and he's like, "We crushed them. We have defeated them, and we've destroyed the Hittite empire. And I have brought glory to Egypt." And for hundreds, for thousands of years that was the story hmm. until until we found the site of the battle of kadesh and um there's a lot of egyptian gear there
1: <laughs> okay and circumstantial evidence
0: archaeological evidence seems to suggest that um it's somewhere between they fought to a draw and the egyptians got their ass kicked <laughs> But I'll tell you this, not one of those Egyptian soldiers that came back with Ramses admitted to that.
1: Uh, apparently, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah.
0: for thousands of years, we believed that he had won that battle by personally driving over everybody with a <laughs> with chariot. You know, like We believed that that was a crushing Egyptian victory. Um, um, literally. And, and it really seems like he might have... He might have lost. (laughs) It actually seems pretty likely that he did.
1: (laughs) Ouch. Yeah. And the Battle of Kadesh is the earliest pitched battle for which we have records of tactics. Now, are these records totally unbiased and objective? I'm not completely sure. But... You know,
0: we do have like a blow by blow of what happened, yeah, bar, or at least like yeah. general idea of like, how yeah, oh, they committed yeah, this yeah, force, yeah, and then they, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, oh, um, so, but Ramses comes back and and he, he gets another group of guys and he heads back up to the Hittite Empire. He's like, Oh, I gotta show them okay. again. Round two, to, right? We're just gonna go back. And he goes back and he has another battle or two with them. He comes back, people ask him, You know, what happened with the battle, and he's like, He says, I didn't even need. I didn't even need to wear my armor. I didn't even put it on. Oh, yeah, that's tough. And so that's yeah. how easy. That's how tough Ramses was. Whoa. Just crushed him, no yeah. problem. And um, and there is a uh, the the war. Uh, what we know for sure is that at the end of that second round of battle, the war between the Hittites and the Egyptians comes to an end. Hmm. And we know that for sure because we have documentation of it.
1: That's true. We do. It's the earliest known surviving peace treaty in writing. Yeah. And yeah. And um, I'm going to quote Wikipedia on this. Both sides of the treaty have been the subject of intensive scholarly study. So... (laughs)
0: right for similar reasons to the battle of kadesh being we had to look at the archaeological evidence yeah so there is a peace treaty that ends the war between the hittites and the egyptians and um, i
1: just want to say i just want to intervene and say peace treaters are cool you know
0: peace it's treaters like, are cool we're
1: going to sit down and use our words
0: yeah yeah now mm. they use different words because they speak different languages so the hittite version is written in cuneiform and the egyptian version is written in hieroglyphics um and they generally agree, the two versions generally agree on what the border is, where what towns go to what. This mm-hmm. is the end of the Egyptian part. This is the end of the Hittite part. What they differ on is who asked for the peace treaty. The Hittite <sighs> version says Ramses mm-hmm. came to him begging begging for peace and the Ramses version says it was the other way around. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So (laughs) Uh,
1: okay. Yeah, be that as it may, uh, we still have a peace treaty and yeah, okay. But but it's an object lesson in representation.
0: Yes. And this is where Ramses the second is just a master of just self-aggrandizing propaganda. Um yeah, I think I said in when I, I wrote about Ramses in in the first badass book, I said uh, that Ramses the Second's propaganda machine makes Joseph Stalin look like the editor of a middle school newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> <You> know, like <laughs> like Ramses, is he's just. I mean, the Battle of Kadesh thing's great. Not only is he riding the chariot over people at the Battle of Kadesh, but there's also pictures of him doing it against the Nubians and the Libyans and the Philistines and all of this other... Like, he's crushing everybody personally. He's shooting lightning bolt out of his bows. Like, he's, you know, he's the greatest warrior that has ever lived. Um, and then and then he's like, except like all of the enemy warriors are groveling at his feet and he's standing there with some some depiction of a Egyptian fertility goddess and they're accepting the blessings of the... <laughs> the gods for for their victory um
1: that's what he said yeah right yeah He's, he
0: would if if there was a if there was a big temple or a big statue or a colossus or something you had mentioned that like the art style has been very similar if there was a colossus of some pharaoh that ramses was like that's a pretty cool one he would just literally chisel that pharaoh's name out and chisel his own name in like this is the statue of ramses now like temples like this is the temple of ramses
1: so he's just like photoshopping himself in
0: yes it's damn (laughs) not memoria he just he's carved out every Uh other pharaoh's name ever and put his own on top (laughs) Yeah, he even like we said, like he didn't build the pyramid, but he ends up kind of co-opting it because he commissions this huge restoration work on it to like rebuild the Great Pyramid and uh, and it's like, you know, the Great Pyramid brought to you by Ramsey. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> Which I mean, it's a great I mean, it's it's the only surviving seven seven wonders of the world, right? Like yeah, yeah. It's the only one still standing. So you did a pretty good job of it, I guess.
1: They're pretty iconic. Yeah. Mm
0: hmm. Kind of the yeah. thing that that entire civilization is known for. But he put his name yeah. on it, even though he's operating 1,200 years after it was built. <laughs> he, um, he is deified while he's still alive, which is not that weird um, for a pharaoh. They were kind of all that that happened to a lot of them. Yeah. But after he dies, they actually they rewrite like a lot of mythology to include him. <laughs> As the, hmm. They call him the great ancestor the great
1: ancestor
0: yeah he kind of lives on in this tradition of of being um he be- becomes part of the oral tradition of the gods mm. in a way that no other no other pharaoh ever was yeah
1: yeah
0: and like it also helps him I think that like he lives so long that when he finally dies nobody remembers any of the other guys. Right, he's reigning for sixty-six years, and so there's not a lot of people alive when he dies that remembered any other reign. So that helps when you're carving mm-hmm. out the last guy's name and putting your own on top. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's that thing of like what makes a great ruler, and it's like longevity. Yeah, really? there is that. <laughs> just there is just that. rule for a long time, and people will remember you fondly. Mm-hmm.
1: Out of inertia. Yeah. Yes. You
0: know? <laughs> Although yeah. I guess there's the counter argument that like, if you were a bad ruler, you wouldn't have the opportunity to reign that long.
1: And you mentioned his chief wife, Nefertari.
0: Yes. Yeah. So she gets deified as well. Hmm. And so Nefertari... She's not to be confused with Nefertiti, who's a totally different person.
1: Yeah, the one that the famous uh, statue is of, the famous bust with the blue cylindrical crown, that's Nefertiti. But this is Nefertari. She's Ramses II's chief wife, queen. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She's the she's the queen. She's the main the main wife. I guess we're talking ancient history, so that's how you refer to things here. I guess. Um, so she's deified during her life. She predates him being. Um, A pharaoh or any of this stuff right him even being like she predates ramses the first being a pharaoh he was married to her pretty early um she was from a different noble family uh he describes her across the board as like the most beautiful woman in the world her name nefertari there's a chance like we don't know for sure like the meaning or the origin of the word but like there's a chance it's like the most beautiful one that's what that name Nefertari means. Um, She has a million nicknames. They call her the Lady of All Lands. They call her the Mistress of Upper and Lower Egypt, the one for whom the sun shines, which is romantic but also religious because they worship the Uh sun, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So they were married before he was king. She was at his coronation. And Nefertari is interesting. She is uh, very highly educated, extremely intelligent, and involved in a lot of the diplomacy of ancient egypt so she we have letters that she wrote to other kings and queens of the time including the king and queen of the hittites oh
1: that's a big deal
0: yeah yeah um she was like sending gifts to them after the peace treaty had ended and writes letters to them and continues to write letters to them probably to help maintain the peace uh which is which is smart. as Like you said, peace treaties are good and you don't want to fight these Hittites again because they might have kicked your ass, right? <laughs> um, and so she could read and write hieroglyphics, which was rare for anybody. Let yeah. her, like there was a whole scholarly It's a complicated
1: class system. It, it takes years of training. So yeah, you have to have, in a way you have to have a, a special class of people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was a whole scribe class that did this and um, but she she learned to do it, and we have things that she wrote in hieroglyphics. Um, she had her own cartouche.
1: Oh yeah, which was generally
0: that, reserved for a pharaoh.
1: Yeah, that's the oval thing. If you look at Egyptian hieroglyphics, um, sometimes you'll see this oval thing with like a little bar at the end, and that's a way of surrounding a very important name. So if she's got a cartouche around her name. Her name is very important.
0: Yes. Yeah. Because the hieroglyphics, there's not like an easy, yeah, but so they would just kind of basically yeah. highlighter.
1: Mm-hmm. The important, yeah. Yeah.
0: Important symbols. yeah. <laughs> um, she has a temple built to her. Ramses built a million temples, but he built one to her uh, at a place called Abu Zimbel, which it's still standing. Oh, it's yeah. Awesome. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I was I've been there and it's just like the most mind blowing thing. It's on the border of Sudan and Egypt in the very, very south of Egypt.
1: And so, like, symbolically, it's a way to establish his presence on the border.
0: Right. It's one of those, it's one of those uh, colossi I was talking about that kind of ward off the Nubians from trying to sail, sail down the Nile. Uh, but one of the temples that Abu Simbel is dedicated to her specifically, um, she's kind of deified as this fertility goddess. She's seen there with Hathor, who's kind of the main, and kind of the Aphrodite of ancient Egypt. Um and, uh, you know, she's their buddies in, in this, as depicted in this temple. Um, but it was pretty rare for Egyptian queens to be treated this way in general. And for Ramses, she's the only person other than him that he ever built a statue to. <laughs> There's smaller statues to his kids that he had with her, you know, but um, but this is, is it's it's not common. And uh, Abu Zambal is one of the best examples we have, like one of the most intact, uh, temples that, that exist. And it's, it's really, really, it was amazing to get to see it. Um, the two of them have six kids together and they end up being generals in the army. Uh, they end up leading forces of Ramses' armies. One of their kids becomes a high priest of Ra, the sun God. Um, they also end up carving, Ramses carves uh statues to her and depicts her in art in the temples, the temples at Karnak and Luxor. So she is being featured prominently in religious ways, which is also pretty uncommon. She is a goddess as far as the people of Egypt are concerned, but but she's, you know, being depicted that way in art that is being created while she's still alive, which is rare
1: yeah yeah usually uh even pharaohs don't get deified until after their death like there's an understanding that there's something sacred about them during their lifetime but the whole deification thing that's yeah this is unusual yeah yeah
0: Yeah. and so ramses is kind of very dedicated to nefertari she has this very ornate tomb built in the valley of the queens uh and The people generally, I mean, the understanding is that people really loved her and they loved Ramses. Um, They, these two, I mean, the empire had kind of been trying to recover from this heresy thing from Akhenaten. And by the time Ramses, you know, is finished after his 66 year reign, um, the empire Stretches from Libya to, Libya in the in the west to Lebanon in the north to the Sudan in the south, um, all along the coast of the Mediterranean. It's the richest. It's the most powerful empire in the region uh, or in the world. Um, there's there's been these huge buildings and 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 public works built irrigation um, uh, temples and uh, you know the pyramids restored. The, you know, he's kind of rebuilt this, this empire up into a, into an empire that's going to last until, a Cleopatra, right? Like it's going to last for another, another 1300 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's like, he's kind of the midpoint of ancient Egyptian history. If you go with like the pyramids being old kingdom, 2500 BC and like the ancient Egypt lasts until like basically... What Augustus? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And um yeah, I mean he kind of is able to restore this to what it needed to be and and builds these works. And he he eventually dies in 1213 at the age of 90, um, ninety-something, after a 66-year reign. Um, his thirteenth son succeeds him because his twelve oldest sons died before he did. <laughs> He is buried in the Valley of the Kings, but there is a funerary temple built for him uh, across the Nile from the big temple complex at Luxor, which is like the main mm. center of the mm-hmm. religious world for ancient Egypt. But he built this humongous complex right across the river called the Ramessium, which he okay. said would be a templed... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it's on brand. Yeah. Um, he he called it the temple of a million years because it would never, it would never end. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well we,
1: we've made a dent
0: in that. We've made a dent in that. Yeah, it's not, it's in pretty rough shape right now. So it didn't, didn't last the full million, but it, it lasted well, no, like but a few thousand. It's, it
1: lasted, yeah, a few thousand. Yeah.
0: His tomb was looted like during the reign of Ramses Third, So not long after Ramses Second, II, Ramses the Third, Ramses II's tomb's looted. Uh, we don't know what was in there. It's not in great shape these days. Uh, we do have his mummy. He was mummified because he's a pharaoh, and I just feel like being mummified is just extra badass bonus points, like if that's what happens to you after you die. He is mummified, and now you can go visit him at a museum in Cairo. You can
1: go and say hi. Like share me. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeremy me and Pigeon. starts and Stubby and
0: Ramses the yeah, second. Yeah, mummified Pharaoh.
1: Yeah. Ah, huh, so yeah. So the Temple of a Million Years, it's, you know, okay, maybe there's a little bit of crumbling going on, but it's still, it's, it exists. And, you know, we're, what, 3,300 years after his death. So we're still talking about him. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He's still relevant.
1: Yeah. He's a figure in pop culture. And, you know, if you go back to the 80s, I mean the 1980s CE, you know, last <laughs> century, you know. I mean, we're talking about ancient Egypt, so I have to specify, you know, you've got Norman Mailer writing the novel Ancient Evenings, and the framing narrative takes place during the reign of Ramses the 9th, And I mean, why do we have a Ramses the Ninth? Because, well, people decided that was a cool name to have, honestly.
0: Yeah, people loved it. There was like 12 of them. It was the more, there's more Ramseses than any Mm -hmm. other reign name for for pharaohs. And like he was, he wasn't the first, but the first lasted like six months in office. And so he's kind of the main one.
1: (laughs) So, yeah. And, you know, this novel, it takes place during the reign of Ramses the Ninth, but the way it's written, there's a lot of looking back to the reign of Ramses II and the Battle of Kadesh. And okay, there's like reincarnation and telepathy involved. Okay, cool. And you just roll with it, you know, and that was 1983. Yeah,
0: Yeah, there's a there's a actually a book series from the 90s called Mm. Ramses, the Son of Light. There's like five books in this series. It's by Uh a a French guy named Christian Jacques. Um, And I'd never heard of it before. But when I started coming to Brazil like apparently it was huge in Brazil it's called uh Ramsey's Ophelia Luz. and I mean it's it's a five book series on the it's a historical fiction on the life of Ramses the Great but there's like wizards and like a love story there's all kinds of it kind of goes you know Uh,
1: it's entertaining
0: Christian Jacques was a is an Egyptologist so he knows what he's talking about but like uh-huh. It's fiction. Uh-huh. Um and uh yeah. but apparently it was huge here cuz like everybody that I have met in Brazil has read that series and <laughs> it thinks it's cool. Um I guess if we're going to talk like should we say that there is that he Ramses II might have been the Pharaoh from the Book of Exodus like okay. Moses?
1: Maybe? Yeah. We should mention that. Yeah. Um at least Yul Brynner portrays him as such in the cinematic version.
0: Yeah, I mean there were twelve yep. Ramses, so maybe a Ramses was the Ramses. Yeah, the Exodus, yeah. But Statistically
1: like, speaking, you know, yeah, yeah.
0: There is a there is something written in one of the temples that Ramses built. I believe it's at Luxor that mentions he like uh, mentions Israel, and it's the first time Israel mm-hmm. is mentioned. Mm-hmm. And there's a mm-hmm. chance that like one of these towns he mentions on this big list of towns that he you know, are in mm-hmm. his domain. Uh, there's a chance that it was kind of proto-Jerusalem. So he's tangentially connected. Um, there is some suggestion that he's the Pharaoh of the Exodus. Um, you know, Yule Brenner, like you said, plays him. Ralph Fiennes, Lord Voldemort, voices him in Prince of Egypt. So that's the a, a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Patrick Stewart played his dad, said he the I, which okay. is kind of cool. yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, but there's there's a Watchman character named Ozymandias. Though though I d- I don't like the Watchman as much as I feel like I should, or that anybody else does. It's not really my thing. <laughs> yeah. But it yeah. bears mentioning, I suppose. Um, how about this? Here's a weird one: the poem that you quoted in the in the in the opening, the the very famous Percy Bysshe Shelley, "Look upon my uh-huh. works, you mighty and despair," is not the only. Poem written about Ramses II by a famous British poet that was published in the year 1818.
1: There was another no. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going back to Napoleon, uh, there's a statue known as the Younger Memnon. Named after this character in Homer's Iliad. Okay, Napoleon-
0: Wait, wait, Ramses was in the Iliad?
1: No, well, no, Ramses was not in the Iliad. But in the Iliad, there's a character, Memnon, and he's from, quote unquote, Ethiopia. And that's, in the Iliad, in that context, it's a term for eh, Africa in general. And he shows up as an ally of the Trojans. So when- Europeans who have read the Iliad show up in Egypt, Cough Cough Napoleon, and they see a temple. And if they don't know what else to call it, they might call it the Memnonarium, the Temple of Memnon or whatever. And if they see a statue and they're not quite sure who it is, they might say, oh, let's just call it Memnon because that's a frame of reference. And
0: I think Ramses would be the the mummy of Ramses would come to life and start trying to (laughs) choke Napoleon if he knew that if he knew that they had renamed the Ramesseum, the Memnonarium.
1: Uh Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So Napoleon tries to dig up uh, these statues from the, quote, Memnonarium, a.k.a. the Ramesseum. Turns out the British actually succeed. And while the statue of, quote unquote, Memnon, aka Ramses, was on the boat to England, um, these guys, Horace Smith and Percy Bysshe Shelley, are in a writing group. And, you know, like you sometimes do, you know, maybe it's a serious intellectual exercise, maybe it's a party game, maybe it's both. They're challenging each other to write on topics and you know like a trending topic on instagram or whatever you know whatever you know
0: um (laughs) we got this thing coming on the boat it's in the news like i dare you to write something i'll write something about it you write something about it we'll see which one is still being talked about yeah (laughs) make a meme about it yeah
1: (laughs) yeah and um so yeah so shelly is the one that we started the episode with but
0: but the Horace Smith one's kind of fun. It's got like some Planet of the Apes vibes. And I felt like I felt like this would be a fun one to end the story on. We've talked about Ramses, we've talked about his great works and all of the amazing things he's constructed and built and how he, you know, kind of brought the 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 ancient Egyptian Empire, the new kingdom into like a, a new golden age, a new period of prominence militarily, economically. Uh, you know, building all of this infrastructure, building all of these amazing things, and um, and then just being so self-aggrandizing about it that it's that it's funny, and um, mm-hmm. and then yeah, Horace Smith is gonna take us out here with his kind of Planet of the Apes take on on Ramses the Second.
1: So this is Horace Smith's Ozymandias poem. In Egypt, sandy silence, all alone. Stands a gigantic leg which far off throws the only shadow that the desert knows. I am great, Ozymandias, saith the stone, the king of kings. This mighty city shows the wonders of my hand. The city's gone. Not but the leg remaining to disclose the sight of this forgotten Babylon. We wonder. And some hunter may express wonder like ours, when through the wilderness where London stood, holding the wolf in chase, he meets some fragment huge, and stops to guess what powerful but unrecorded race once dwelt in that annihilated place. And that's Horace Smith's poem, Ozymandias, which is also from 1818.
0: It's published three weeks after after, After
1: Shelley's, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, and that is the story of Ramses the We hope you liked it, and uh, we hope to see you next week for a different story.
1: Woo! Like, subscribe, <laughs> tell your friends.
0: All right, yeah, do that, and also stay badass.
1: Stay badass. Yes. Badass of the Week is an iHeart Radio podcast produced by High Five Content. Executive producers are Andrew Jacobs, me, Pat Larish, and my co-host, Ben Thompson. Writing is by me and Ben. Story editing is by Ian Jacobs, Brandon Fibbs. Mixing and music and sound design is by Jude Brewer. Special thanks to Noel Brown at iHeart. Badass of the Week is based on the website badassoftheweek.com, where you can read all sorts of stories about other badasses. If you want to reach out with questions, ideas, you can email us at badasspodcast at com. If you like the podcast, subscribe, follow, listen, and tell your friends and your enemies if you want, as we'll be back next week with another one. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury.